This episode is brought to you exclusively by Doppelganger Coffee. Doppelganger Coffee is located in Charlestown Shopping Centre and was created by two twin brothers, Colin and Joe, who are from the Cabaret and Fingless area and have brought themselves back from rock bottom and adversity to bring you the best coffee around. Give them a shout on Instagram or pop in and get a coffee off them and make sure you tell them that the boys from Talking Bollocks sent you. All right, here we are, episode 23, Talking Bollocks Podcast. It's me, CLB. With Terry Flower. And today we're joined by... Rachel Terry's ma. Oh, so we have me mar on the podcast this week. We think it'd be a nice follow up from last week's episode to get her in, tell her side of the story, her perspective on things when we were younger and stuff like that, and then our own life. So we think it's going to be a good episode. So we brought her in to tell our story. Yeah, in fairness, it's been a few weeks in the making, Rachel. Uh, we touched on it probably there. Don't know what was it? A few weeks ago. A few weeks ago that we mentioned that we get her on, and thanks for coming in, Rachel. Uh, we can see where Terence gets his nerves from anyways. Terence <laughs> got 23 episodes in and he's, he'd just be shitting. And oh, I'm rattling. I get nervous after every episode. Do you know what it is? No, I'm not. It's not even because that. Because after even episode one, remember that when I kept stopping, starting, stopping, yeah. starting, I was afraid to talk. But uh, now that there's so many people listening every week, me nerves they'll be gone. Yeah. But here we are. Terence sitting here like Freddie Roach. <laughs> yeah, you'd want to be nervous because your mama is here on the other side. Oh. <laughs> oh, sorry about her, yeah? But um, listen, Let's jump in. Zingers from last week. Oh, get the, the ball rolling. Away. Get the show on the road. Right. Zingers <laughs> from last week. What do you call it? The toilet or the jacks? So, obviously, that was the show. Actually, man, what do man, you, what call, you right call that? The toilet. All right. Oh, no problem. Fair enough. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, 65% yet the toilet, 35% yet the jacks. Yeah. Moving on, because that was dirt. This was Calvin's one last week. Do you get... Oh, my God, yeah, as well. I know what we're going to say. Right, Let's go. Right, so, let me just get it out, and then you'll get into that. Yeah, so, do you call... Oh, what is it? Do you get pickles... Or gherkins on your burger. And 58% said no, and 42% said yeah, but Calvin... Well, a lot of people are saying, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't answer them on a burger, but I wouldn't take them off either if they can, which I think is just a stupid thing. You either have them on your burger or you don't. But it turns out gherkins and pickles are the same thing. Do you know that, Rachel? Yeah. Well, no one said that to us about that. And we're like, we're like two ticks talking to thousands <laughs> of people. Why can you only talk? Because like, you know when you go to McDonald's, they're called gherkins. And then when you go to some other restaurants, they're called pickles. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were two different things. No. Like someone texted saying, why did you not put that as a singer? I was like, because they're two different things. Like, how could you say pickles or gherkins? And they were like, Google it down. It's the exact same thing. The yeah. exact the same thing. But So actually, let's do that for the singer for this week yeah. as well. Yeah, all right. So a singer for this week. Yeah, they call, call it pickles or gherkins. There we go. So gherkins are pickles that went to Trinity. <laughs> but anyways into the next one um, who's the bigger wanker clampers or Lewis inspectors Cl- man who's the bigger wanker clampers right fair enough um, clampers 76% of people I think that's look I thought that would have been a bit closer because Lewis yeah. inspectors can be wankers as I'd well. say a lot of people haven't had interactions with Lewis inspectors because they're driving all the time yeah. Well, I can't say that um, because most of them are lovely to me because of Edward. Yeah. Do you know him from being on the Lewis's? Edward is my little brother who has autism, by the way, for anyone wondering why she said that. From the... If you listen to the Mick the Book, Mick the Buscar episode, sorry, I mean, I shouldn't be doing that, but it's my podcast. 
<laughs> if you listen back to the Mick the Buster episode, you'll know all about uh, Terence's little brother Edward, and actually right on the Lewis as well in yeah. that video. Yeah, so uh, I still think that wankers. Yeah, I still think that wankers as well. For the most part, obviously we don't mean all of them. It's the same when we say the guard, it's the same when we say clamp, but it's the same because I'm sure there's one or two nice in every single one of them. Do you know what I mean? And but, I suppose we should touch on it as well. A lot of people have been mentioning it to us, and it's something we have discussed. People want to know would we have a copper on the podcast? I don't know. It's it look at what we're not we're not ruling it out. I'd love uh, an ex copper so they can be on it. Go on. I can help you. Right, you don't need to put say- your hand up, Rachel. You can talk. <laughs> <laughs> You're not in school. Don't say any names, but go on. But- the community guy does us. I know he's on about. That's who I was thinking of. I, yeah. was, I was going to say that. I, I don't think you could get like a walkie off the street. Just pull him. Say anytime you want to come on that podcast. But he, like a, he has a story in his own. Yeah, it had to be like a spokesperson, a guard, a spokesperson yeah. or something, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, look, listen. We're looking to get an ex copper on or a guard, a spokesperson or something like that. Someone who can be honest with us and talk to us about experiences and stuff like that, and not be biased. And yeah. And we're not there to grill them either. We're not just going to be like these are all scumbags. This time, you know, we're actually going to have. A genuine, a, a, a genuine conversation. conversation. Try and get enough out of it from both sides. You know, let them know what they're thinking when they when they see young that's on the street, and then we can tell them what we're thinking when we see coppers on the street. Perfect. Wait, there you go. Nice so, constructive conversation. Clampers seventy six percent. Lewis inspectors twenty four percent. And it turns out uh, a lot of people mess us as well. Clampers still get commission for putting on clamps. Yeah. So yeah. they get commission for putting on and taking off clamps. So someone t- texts us and saying that to which I replied. So they only get. Uh, Commission for putting clamps on because he always get cut off. Yeah, yeah. I just ring Gibby Cavney. If any of you have seen his video that he put on Instagram the other day, anyone's looking for a clamp off ring Gibby Cavney, yeah? Obviously, <laughs> not going to say his real name, but yeah, he's one of the boys. So let me know, yeah? But uh, moving into this week's singers, you go first, Calvin. Right, so I have one. He still has a mouth full of jellies. He doesn't oh, no. give a rat. <laughs> My, uh, my sister has came fucking messaging me the last say month and she was like uh, ask the singer will you ask the singer so when you go swimming where do you go where do you go yeah Do- dolly mount yeah well that as well the bats yeah oh the bats. yes yeah no yeah no I'd say I'd say I, I don't know I'd just say go swimming or the swimming pool yeah but I, it's old school to say the bats yeah so she she yeah. was like do you call the swimming pool or the bats so, I don't That's know. That's a good jinger. That is a good jinger. So, well, years ago, we'd say we're going down the bats. That's uh, Sean Macker. Yeah, Sean Macker. The one Sean Macker. If we're going to swimming pool, it'd be... So, if we're on a summer project or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so that's a weird one because I never called any of that pool in Dublin the bats other Only than the Sean one in Sean McDermott Street. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that thing I done for the week. I think that's actually going to be a good one. I think a lot of the older crowd... But then you have, uh, you have like the... The spots are what this is, you know, like uh, at Sandy Mount or Blackrock, wherever Vigo bats, you know, you have the oh, Blackrock yeah, bats, yeah. Uh, Clontarf bats, yeah, you know, like that. So it's, it's obviously, I don't know, it's obviously a trendy thing back then to have bats. I don't know, because you'd say it's the swimming pool open, or if you're down that way, you'd say, I'm going the bats. Yeah, well, yes. that's where I live, I live at the back of the bats. That's how yeah. we describe it to people. God help you. Yeah. <laughs> you to catch me with my own She's joke. She's <laughs> I know he was going to tell me myself when she got there first but anyways yeah so swimming pool of the bats is Calvin's one my singer for this week boys were struggling again yeah so we were struggling a couple of weeks ago and we got a load of zingers in and we could use a couple that got us by a few weeks but listen we're at the running now sharpish so send a couple more in I'm struggling here myself but my zinger for the week um, do you have your cereal not every cereal wheat the bakes or stuff like that do you have them with cold milk or hot milk 
What do you do, man? Don't eat them. Oh, fair enough. What about the kids? They don't eat it. They toast. They're not big cereal eaters? No. What about you, Terence? I'd, I'd rather hot milk. What about you, Connor? Cold. Cold. That's because well, my young one used to have them uh, hot milk. You have to heat them up for her. But then she stopped doing that because she grew up and she's big. <laughs> so I just want to give a shout out to all the girls from Swords who put me on, at the Buddy Cup on Sunday and gave us this singer. Yeah. It's absolutely collared me into giving this one. But uh, I said the same thing to you. It's very childish to get your cereal heated up. I'm all day, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Yes, yo. Listen, that's more. Well, you have your own microwave now, so you can enjoy it more. And a few cheese houses. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I thought yeah. you better touch on that as well, turning Sunday. What? Oh, the Buddy Cup? Mm. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. What a day. The support was unbelievable. The money made was unbelievable. For just a great cause. Yeah, for, for just a day that was in it. Like, there was no real build-up and no real... Whatever, it was just short of plan there and then and done and we raised, what, 1,500 quid, 14, 1,500 quid for a Jigsaw Youth Mental Health Charity and it was unbelievable. Everybody that was out there was sound. Yeah. Except for the bloke that had that album and they nearly bit the fingers on me. <laughs> but, yeah, if you want to um, see the size of this dog, you would have put a saddle on this show. One is, this thing, the thing nearly took the fingers on me. But, um, yeah, no, what a fucking day. Yeah, Brilliant. so thanks for everyone that came out. Uh, we're actually going to do another, well, thanks to Connor Ryan as well at the Booty Cup. The girls walking there, and thanks to Liam and Daisy's Grill for uh, he actually ran out of bread. There was that many cheese houses made, <laughs> but we're gonna organise another one probably for another few weeks down the line. A bit more organisation behind it. The thing is, this was a bit short notice, and with the restrictions in place, it was only so much we could do before we end getting ourselves into trouble. So, uh, with, with the sh- restrictions lifting as the weeks go by, we'll have a better day, uh, more notice, and we'll have stuff to do. Um, so drop down. Keep an eye on the Instagram pages. We'll get the ball rolling on something new. But again, thanks for everyone that dropped down on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, brilliant. Another thing I want to talk about, Calvin. Let's go. Number fucking one in the country. I know, mate. <laughs> yeah. Rachel, now, we've recorded a few episodes in your kitchen. Yes, did. Yeah, and you used to come in and be like, can I come back in now? And Darren's be like, fuck off, get out. <laughs> get out of the fucking gap. Did you ever think we'd make it to number one? No, and I'm sitting here and I'm still shocked. <laughs> Why? Because the shadow must be have. doored, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, set up and your own gaff town. Yeah. 24 years and I finally got rid of you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but and then he brought you down. Yeah, well, listen, I'm at to invite you down to the gaff show. Be ah, brave. Yeah, and I got me a uh, double, double. Doppelgangers Doppelgangers coffee coffee. Looked after The best coffee around But um, Yeah now Number one in the fucking country What the fuck Like That's mental Come here People used to say to us Oh he's like Going to the top And I used to be like It's gonna be mad I thought we'd be Hanging around in the top ten And it'd be just funny To say like Look at Joe Rogan And uh, Fucking Tommy Turner's podcast There we are Up the hell with them but it, I only went on it today when I looked at the charts and their name's still at the top and I was like, what is going on? Because our updates our updates daily and these boys are doing podcasts seven days a week, five days a week and stuff like that. So like it, it really goes by the amount of listens and all the engagements and stuff like that. So Your ratings, uh, if you follow them, if you download them, things like that really helps. Yeah, so the fact they're doing seven podcasts a week, like, like they real, realistically, we shouldn't be near that. Like, we should be miles down because their listeners just growing every day. Joe Rogan had Dave Chappelle and all on the day yeah. the other day and fucking, he's still not at the top. Like, how the fuck are we at the day? I never believed that, to be honest with you. But I'm absolutely buzzing. And that's, like, I don't even know what to say. I rang you yesterday, Terrence. I was like, what are we doing? 
Like, yeah. what, what, what are we doing? Yeah. If yeah. anyone ever approaches you and says, here's a textbook, this is how you do a podcast, fuck that textbook at them, yeah? Because me and Tanya are sitting here on a kitchen table. We recorded the first episode under a phone. Then we were using a laptop. Now, fair enough, we, everybody did uh, throw us a few quid and we got the mics and all set up and Connor has come in and fucking saved the day. But there's no way of doing a podcast proper. There's no, do this, don't do that. If you do it this way, it'll walk that way, it won't. The only advice, people will be reaching out to us and be like, lads, what, what's your advice and all? Just stay genuine. Do you know what I mean? No script. Uh, if you want fucking questions and interviews, go on to a chat show, a talk show, radio shows. That's what that's for. This is unscripted, unedited, well, a bit, uh, yeah. raw, <laughs> fucking proper yeah. order people having a chat. Do you know what I mean? That's why we don't say we're interviewing people. We're just having a chat with them. We don't try and catch people off guard. Like, we had Keeper Crosby on. We didn't try and fucking sting him with a question so we'd slip up and we got a bit of juice out of him. We just had a chat with him about what it was like growing up and how he got to where he is, you know? You see, a lot of people will bring people in and interview them as per se and then, like, ask them a question to sting them. It's just, like, even even if they ask them a question and it's not stinging them in the moment, after it, they'll put us the caption or, or what they're saying yeah. about it. They'll Clickbait, say, like. oh, this person said <clears throat> this about this person. It's like... Yeah, fucking hell, when you, you look Nicola Talent, you know what I mean? So, like, keep away from all that carry on. Just be real as you can be and just be honest, you know what I mean? But I find, especially with a lot of oldest podcasts, a lot of people are just in it for the fame and a lot of people are just in it for, like, like just to blow up and stuff like that. So, they just, they're, I know a lot of people are paying people to come onto their stuff and have a chat just so they can get a big name on and everything's fake, scripted. It's just, it's not really a podcast. You just have to be real. There's, that's all you can say to it. Mm. Like, oh, I'd like to think that Terence and Calvin that's sitting here on these mics is the Terence and Calvin that you're going to see out on the street. Someone messaged us there after seeing us at the Buddy Cup and said, boys, you two are just as real in person as you are on the podcast. You're yeah. the exact the same. And I was like, that's unbelievable to hear, you know what I mean? Even though we know that, it's just nice that, like, obviously when you're interacting with us in person, you realise that we're the exact the same people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, no, that's that one boxed off. <laughs> uh, as well, just want to say a big thanks to everybody that went over the Apple podcast, uh, left a rating, left a, a, all that carry on over there, because that blew us up there again. Now we have a five-star a five rating again, five out of five-star rating. We have hundreds of ratings on it. It's unbelievable. Thanks, everybody, for the support. He's talking about getting bleeding, people noticing you and all things, yeah? Mm. So, <laughs> I was uptown yesterday, and you have to book in to go uptown for this week. Uh, it's like yeah. you fucking, you got a slot or whatever. Speaking of that, so yeah. I see people selling Some, penny jokes for a woman. A hundred quid? They don't knock the hustle. Mate, <laughs> I would have just texted her one and be like, sorry, can you tell us what day and time that's for? Because I, I don't know, I might have to walk. And if she says, yeah, Monday, seven o'clock, and then just rock up and say, what's the story? I'm such and such. Boom. That's the day one and Calvin at the coming there you out. Go. Someone <laughs> tries, you can't rip a ripper, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, so I was in town yesterday. Um, I'm gonna sound like a bit of a wanker, but fuck it. I was in Brown Thomas, yeah. And I was, you are a wanker, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are a prick, aren't you? I went up to get a pair of runners. You weren't there, right? So uh, my board was with me, and she had a Tiffany necklace, and uh, she wanted to get a client. So she walked over to, to Tiffany's and she was like, oh, what's the story? Can I get that clean? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Uh, come on in here and take a seat and I'll clean it for you. So while she's in getting a necklace cleaned, my board is looking at the engagement ring, right? And I was like, you don't start getting any ideas, this, that, and the other. Mm. So like, she's like, oh, I like that one, this, that, blah, blah, blah. And I won't come back out and she goes, oh, you're getting nervous in front of the engagement rings. And I like, got a bit embarrassed and yeah. I was like... 
ah, would you stop? She's throwing hints, blah, blah, blah. And I went to walk away and your one goes, uh, sorry, are you uh, that guy on the podcast? Real soft spoken. And I was just like, yeah, what's the story? And then I got even more embarrassed, yeah. And then I was like, fucking hell. And my board was loving it. She was like, oh, you can't go anywhere and all. I was like, shut up, like, come on, go, get your chain and we get out of here. And your one was like, yeah, listen, I'm very good. I was like, oh, thanks very much. And then uh, she was like, make sure you give me a shout out. So I'm giving a shout out to that board in Brown Thomas and Tiffany's. <laughs> this is for board. you. <laughs> yeah. I don't she's know what played name. She's so well spoken. She's yeah. a real nice woman. Probably real portion on cabbage. Like, get to that bold brown Thomas. <laughs> but I go, yeah, I'll give you a shout out. And so now she has to sign me out with a discount on Tiffany's. But <laughs> <laughs> also, another shout out to me mate Paul. He, he felt a bit neglected. He goes, I listen to your podcast every week. You never shout me out. You shout everybody else too. And I told him, I'll give him a shout out this week. But he owes me money. So I'm giving him a shout out to let everybody know. <laughs> he owes me a few quid. So he has to pay me now. Oh, nearly forgot. Now that you're talking about the show, it was because Jerry Power told me to punch my head in. Remember I said you earlier, I have a little story to tell you. Here right, we go. so, uh, years ago when I used to gamble and stuff like that, yeah, about a year ago, two years ago, uh, me and my brother was in Paddy Powers, and the real let you goes on, yeah, and he says to me, Titans, I'm telling you now, 31 is going to come out on that. 31 is my lucky number. It comes out every time this time. I was like, well, the last 10 choices are there and it didn't come out. He says, 31 is going to come out. I promise you, put money on it, put money on it. I said, no. Boom. The roulette goes around, 31 comes out, right? Order. So we were in the gaff today, Major and uh, Big Jim, James Cochran. Yes, yeah, shout out again. You owe me a few bob for shouting out twice now as well. But uh, we were in the gaff today. And me and Jim was telling Jim that story, right? And Jim said, is that right? I want me phone now and I'll put money on 31 the roulette. And we said, right, go do it. Well, I said, don't do it. I said, you're throwing money away. Don't do it, don't do it. And Jim was like, shut up, you, you blade now, won't you? He <laughs> says, Jim, put it on. Jim went on, put money on, a fiver, I don't know how much he put on it. Money on number 31. And it came out. No way. And he won 370 euro. Lovely. How? How the fuck? And Jim, right? Again, sorry, sorry, sorry. I have to go up this tangent. <laughs> Jim was saying before that as well that last week uh, something got to do with the football or something like that. So the Liverpool match, uh, they had to pick a minute that the first goal would be scored in or something like that. I might be butchering this, but it was something along them lines. And Jim said 31, and Liverpool scored in the 31st minute and he won that bit as well. No way. How the fuck does that keep happening? Was he born on the 31st? No. Yeah. He's born on 20... Why would you look confused? You had them. I just forget. He's born the 23rd. But oh, yeah. he just keeps saying 31 is lucky number. And that that happened to him as well. That's a, a weird number though to have as a lucky number, isn't it? 31. Like, why would you pick 31? Like, mine's number 8. What's yours? 13. Oh, <laughs> Don't take a half one. Yeah, well, lucky for some, it's lucky for me. Yeah, well, look, listen, shout out to Jerry Power. He told me he clattered a little red head on me if I didn't tell that story. But yeah, that's mad, isn't it? There you go. Now... There we go. That's what, that story. Is it, is it enough? It's one to forty-seven or something like that. 40, yeah, but it's th- but then, like when you actually really think about it, for it to happen on that exact spin of all the spins that happened Jordan that day, for yeah. for it to be that spin, it's still forty-seven and then it's true. But again, <laughs> for it to be <laughs> right, for it, it, it just spins the story better. Sorry, it, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Round little He's at there, the round the day, right? So, uh, fuck Calvin, fuck the story, ma. We're What's jumping Rachel, straight into you. Like Silla Black sitting here on Blind Date. What's your name? Where'd you come from? Phyllis <laughs> <laughs> Jean. Talk to I'm Rachel. Bell. I'm from Darza Street Flats. Don't say sorry to her, Calvin. No, there's a bit of an echo here. Real corn and thing here. Is that what the story? <laughs> born, born in Ghana Place. Mm-hmm. 
Og jeg starter også med, come on, I'm ringes, ja, yeah, that's a podcast, der er overfor dumme. Yeah, text me. <laughs> uh, moved down to Darza Street Flats to a one bedroom, and fucking, we were there for five years, my mom was expecting, then we got the flat up over. Yeah. A two bedroom. So, my mom had my sister, and then 11 months later, she had my brother. Irish twins. And in that time mm-hmm. as well, my dad was in prison. Well, I mean, went to prison when they were born. For how long? Uh, could have been only two years or something. Right. Are you the so, oldest, Rachel? Yeah. So we used to be brought up to the joint. <laughs> every Saturday. You have to say, you can tell. But go on, go on, go on. Fuck off, you. Glad you said that, are you? It's just something Calvin with Jay. I would have never said that about my mother. No more respect for your man. <laughs> go Endless on. podcast. <laughs> so anyway, we used to go up and it was the old visiting boxes, you know, like the waiting room, you could smoke in it and all. Mm. And uh, bleeding, bang of smoke and oh. But anyway, we used to win and see my dad every Saturday and that was the hospital. That's mm. what we were told. <clears throat> so life was mad because I was always told to stay down at the block, don't move from the block, look after your brother and sister in the high pram, and barely think about it, I couldn't even see over the handlebars. So then this person came along and abused me and made me run on a nail after it so that in his eyes I'd forget what he done by thinking I have to get the nail pulled down before. What do you mean? Sexually abused? Yeah. Right. So at that time, 20 odd years ago, you couldn't tell anyone that later. Mm. Now I was only about six, whatever. Didn't know what was going on. Didn't know what was going on. You never talked about sex. You never said... Yeah. This happened or that happened because you were dirty, you were ashamed. And you didn't know what it was, so you wouldn't speak out in any way. So in any way, it was years going on and I wasn't allowed to play with my friends. They'd be all out playing ball, playing around us with their dolls and whatever. So up on the second bank, I used to climb out onto the window and have my legs hanging out watching my friends playing. So my ma used to lock the bedroom door and we wouldn't be allowed out of the room. Obviously, she'd open it when we'd fall asleep or whatever. So, uh, Is there a reason why she used to do that? I don't know, Calvin. I never got my head around it. See, I was only £2 born, and I don't think my ma connected with me uh, because they wouldn't have had the machinery what they have now. Yeah. And then when I did get out of hospital, my nanny had to rear me a bit because I was tubes in my nose and all. Yeah. So then I was kind of being looked after by my ma's side up in Summerhill and that. And then my ma took me then to live in the flats. Then obviously she was pregnant on my sister. Then my brother came along. So then I had to jump in. I was the one to mind them. I wasn't allowed. But in saying that, I was protective over them because things happened to me. But I, I didn't know whether it was going to happen to them or not. Yeah. If this friend, if the family came along, would... Would, would the same thing happen? I don't know, because, as I said, it was never talked about. So for years and anyway, I was left looking after my brother and sister and wasn't allowed to play with my friends. If I was allowed to play with my friends, then they used to slag me. Ah, oh, go on, go on up and mind your brother and sister, mummy's baby. And, but it was never like that. 
my mad have us in the house and for some reason I was the one always sick. So I used to get fleas. So my mad, my sister had lovely snow white blonde hair and my brother had the same and he was real tanned. But she'd be sitting down with them with a base and then she'd be doing their hairs and you could see the love. You, I could feel the, the love she was giving them. And then when it was my turn, it was grabbed there in the clatter and it was like, stop moving. And I was like, what? I can't feel what I, yeah. what I, what I felt my ma giving them. I didn't feel with me. Yeah. So as I was getting older, I was thinking, is, why is this? Is this because of this family friend? Is it because of something that I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I, to this day, I, I just never figured it out. So, and anyway, yeah, now my mum always had a spotless home. Always. But then we found out then, when my brother and sister was a bit older then, my mum still used to lock the bedroom door. But she used to get the neighbour to come in and open the door at a certain time. But my mum had to run around to the pub to my dad. Do you know what I mean? But then we found out my ma had this possessive disorder over my dad. So all her love and her energy went into me dad. Everything was me dad. She had the lights around he walked on. Couldn't say anything wrong about him. So it was kind of we were getting older. I was out playing and my sister and brother, if they fell, I got a clatter. If they were crying for sweets, I had to go to the shop for the neighbours to go and get them sweets out of the money that I... Go to shop for. Then it got to the stage, then it was go over the pub and tell me who your dad's sitting with. Who's drinking me? What's who's how many is in the pub? So of course you're only a kid, so you're coming back and they're saying, My dad's sitting at the bar, he has two points in front of him, there's three men at the bar. Like you're calculating it all back up and you have to know exactly Yeah. You haven't really got a childhood is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. I never felt loved. Mm. And my dad idolised the three of us. He was a hard-working man. But my ma was that possessed over him. He stopped walking. It's, it's hard to explain until you're living with it. Yeah. D- that's what it was. But this would have been like back in the day, so it was real old-fashioned. The fella would be out walking all day and then yeah. spend the rest of the night in the pub. Yeah. So he wouldn't be in the house, really. Yeah. So, in any way, to cut long story short, uh, getting up to a few years later and... My friends were meeting fellas and I was like, fuck with me and the fella. Yeah. Trying to get a few cans or whatever. So sitting in the avenue and a certain bloke was sitting there and he, he had a joint. And I says, give us a drag of that. He says, I will not. He said, if any of your family here, they'll bleed and kill me. I said, mind anyone. I won't tell anyone. Give us a drag. So I ended up sitting there and I was... How old are you at this stage? At about 14. Right. 14, 14. And were you drinking? No, when I say drinking, it was only a bottle of harp. Right. Yeah. So I wasn't... Yeah. You know, right. I wasn't at, at, at the stage yeah. yet. Yeah, so you're just kind of fitting in. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to see what suited me. Yeah, yeah. Because what it suited me wouldn't suit the next person. Mm. So anyway, we was smoking the joints and I thought it was great. Got a fit of the giggles and I was like, yeah, I like this. So I went around to me pal and I says, and I'm not to get in a few drags of a joint and it's deadly. And she says, you fuck off, Ray. I says, right, come on, we go off to my mass. So we went off to my mass. And boom. I nearly shit myself. The person came back after all them years on the scene. So because 
I was figuring out now at at far fourteen and fourteen that, that that what happened when I was young was so you're wrong. Talking about the person who done that here when you were a kid. Yeah, right. I was like, oh holy shit! Never. It's gonna happen again. What do I do? Do I yeah. say something? To, so I says, no, I'll say nothing. So I said to my friend, I says, I need to, I need to get drink, and she's, you bleeding dope, you bottle of heart between us, and we're fucking drunk. I said, no, I'm getting drink. So. Betty, God help her, she lived next door to me, ma. She used to always throw me a few bob. And she was at to throw me a few bob. And we went and we got a flag in the cider. And we drank it. I says, oh, I like that. So then the next day, I said to me pal, I says, that fucking Muppet is still hanging around. Do you know that person? She says, yeah, I know. It's just acting a bit strange, all right. I says, and I said, I think I need a drink. She says, it's the only time you're happy is when you're drinking. And I said, but this is only like a real drink to cider last night. I said, but I don't know what people are talking about. You get sick from it and all. And anyway, we went into town and we fleeced pennies. <laughs> fleeced it. We went up and I have to, I'm not going to lie, it was all nickels and brass. And the people dived on the, in the flats, right? So we got money. We went and we got a two litre each. 20 smokes and a 10 spot. Sounds so, like a good night. <laughs> that was a fucking great night. But then, we, because I was going home, I didn't want to bring the hash home with me. Yeah. And she didn't want to bring it into Amas. So we thought we were great running down to the avenue to the big boys, it was weird to call them. And we'd say, here, yeah, do you want a half block of hash in there like you fucking need you? And smelling it and all. I was like, why would you be giving that away? Oh no, I can't bring it home with me. So then that's the way the life went. It was just robbing, drinking, Taking tablets, whatever, whatever I could get my hands on. Then I found out my friend was on the on the gear. And she says to me, Do you wanna try it? And I says, No, I don't like the smell of it. Mm. I never liked the smell of it. And this would have been before there was like a, a, a stigma around it. Like everyone like, oh, I don't go near that, would have been. Like no, everyone was kind of you wouldn't know, I think you No, I what happened, I forgot to tell you when I was about eleven, nine or eleven I picked up a syringe in the flats and I injected it. The spike stuck in me. And I brought her in to me dad and I asked me dad could I play doctors and nurses with Now, it was a few weeks later, I was during the summer and everyone was saying, oh my God, Florida, bleeding colour. Oh, she's a massive colour. But then my nails started falling off and all. So uh, I was rushed to, I collapsed. And I was rushed to Temple Street and head of infections and diseases from all different hospitals. Came into Temple Street and they were questioning me, ma, who was I with, what was I doing, blah, blah, blah. And then it was when my ma got in contact with me dad, my dad said, she picked up a fucking syringe in the flats and brought her in and asked me, could she play doctors and nurses? And I just flung it into the fire. I was whipped out to Cherry Orchard Hospital. And it was the most scariest thing in my life. I was put in a prefab and there was a ward and they were all women in the ward. But they were all yellow in tents, see-through tents. And they were patio doors. So my ma was outside the patio door. She wasn't allowed in near me. And I'm screaming, screaming, crying. Like, it felt like they were all aliens. I can't describe it. And I was in this world and... No one could help me. But I was had to get in contact in the hepatitis C from the syringe. 
So I had to deal with the childhood trauma, then my sicknesses, what I did when I didn't get on with my ma and the love I didn't get off her. Then I went to the drinking. And you were saying about you, you were with your friend and she was on the gown and something and then you went off of that. So she, what happened there? Oh, yeah. Well, she didn't say, do you want it? She says, are you coming up to Temple and I smoked this? And I says, yeah. And I says, oh, the bleeding smell of it. I said, I don't know how you can... She's try it. I said, no, I don't like it. Even when I'm talking about it, the smell of it kills me. So, and anyway, I says, eh, no, I says, but I says, what are you doing after this? She says, oh, no, I'll get a couple of cans with you. I wouldn't do that on you. But she couldn't drink if you know what I mean. So I was left drinking on my own. She went after me, I fell out, I went, carried on drinking and then I was saying tablets and then the fear, the loneliness, the neglect, everything was running through my head but I didn't know how to tell people. So one night I went into my man and I said, I have a fuck enough of this, I have something to tell you, I was abused. And my ma jumped up off the chair and she ran to the pub. She said, better go home. He says, what's wrong? Is Rachel pregnant? Is Annie in debt? Whatever. She says, no, you better go home. She says, she's saying she's abused. So next of all, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I can't. All I know is I ran for the front door. And I ran. And my dad, I'm laughing. And my dad fell over a cement brick. But I'm glad. Because if he'd have caught me, I think he'd have killed me. But not killed me because I said it. I don't know. I got I was that out of my head saying it. I think he'd have killed me because of the state I was in mm. and that I'd put myself in yeah. to say something like that. So then in my head, when I, the next day, these cunts don't believe me. They think I was just out of my head and saying things. So this is what I was at the putting in the other side of my head. So then I was like, how am I going to walk around this? So I went into the fast and I had a chat with the social worker and I told her, she says, do you want help for the drink? And I says, no, but I don't need help for the drink. I says, I have a fuzziness in my head and I can't get rid of it. I, one side is telling me, tell people. The other side is telling me, you're lying. You're not to tell people. Yeah. And then my brain is like, you don't talk about things like that. So even back then you knew that, like when they said to you, do you want help with the drink? You knew that you were only drinking to cope. Like, because you'd often hear people when they have an addiction, they say, I was only doing it because when I did it, it took the pain away yeah. and it helped me get on with it. And you were there saying, I don't want help with the substance. I want help with the what's abuse, causing it, the abuse, I, the trauma. But you, you, back then, towards the years ago, you couldn't talk about no, it, you Calvin. Yeah. If, you were dirty. Yeah. Even now, today, like I find it very hard in my, in, in my mind when I hear something about abuse. Oh, God. I was dirty, but I wasn't dirty. I was a little girl. Yeah, it wasn't your fault at all. I was a little girl, but you, there was no such thing as going and telling an adult. And the freak knew, after what he'd done, to make me run on a nail or a thumbtack, whatever it was, to bring me to a neighbour, that I'd forget, obviously not forget, but he taught, i forget about what... That the physical pain would take away from but, what he did. What, what he, he was had to do. On the nail, yeah. So then... As I said, he back on the scene, I was drinking, I was taking tablets, I taught my man that. Uh, he disappeared again. Right? So uh, he says, he's gone. These fuckers don't believe me because no one has talked to me about it. I asked me what happened, who was it, blah, blah, blah. 
I says, I'm on my own here. So I start robbing on my own in town. I'd never robbed on my family. I'd never take it on. But I got a job as well. Uh, oh, up in Hendron's was a sewing factory. And it was to seven in the morning. And I'd leave down at five and I wouldn't have money for my lunch. So I'd walk through my lunch. And I mean, I'd be collapsing. But I wouldn't care if if I could hold on to three pounds. That was three pounds to get me something. If it was tablet or drink, it was to get me something. And I didn't care. And I'd do that every day. So uh, back to my friend. She was very bad on, on the girl. And I says, oh, yeah, do you know what? I says, Jerry Kelly is down there in the flat. I said, he always has a bit of blow. Come on, we go down and we ask him. She says, eh. Uh, no, you would not. I said, no, I wouldn't. Because I was a bit shy like that, but I kind of... So, and anyway, we went down and we were talking to Jay and he's me. And he uh, says, what are you so up to? And he says, ah, we were looking for a joint, but sure. Uh, he says, I'll roll one. So, and anyway, he rolled a joint. We went around the back of the flats. We were sitting there smoking. He says, what are you doing later? And it was about 15 and a half, 16. What are you doing later? Nine tipping on. And I'm saying, don't... She says, we're not doing nothing. He says, just want to go over to my flat, he said, and uh, I'll get you a few drinks and whatever. He says, I know. He says, I've walked in the morning. We've no money in anywhere. I don't get paid up Friday. You don't have to worry about money. He said, come over. So we went over, but I tell you, it was the best night of my life. <laughs> We'd have a blast. And, and the amount of drink, he kept running to get us more drink if we wanted it. The smoke was just full on the table. He wasn't one bit mean. So this was happening all the time. If she wasn't... God help her going for a smoke, she'd come with me and then I start getting to the stage that I'd go with Jay and his mates over to the flat and do the same thing. I'd buy a drink when I'd get paid and likewise they'd do the same. So then I kind of met Jay. Now Jay was 10 years older than me, right? But he was the kindest person, the most generous person you could meet. So... I was afraid to let people know I was with him because of the age gap, because of who he was, and so and so and so and so. So my friends used to lie for me, saying I was staying in the air gaps and all when I was with him. So then I goes home one day and Betty sent Derek Woods in with a pot of stew. I'll never forget, a bowl of stew. And uh, me and my sister, my ma couldn't cook to save her life, but me and my sister jumped up <laughs> To grab the bowl of stew out of my cousin's hand. So because I done that, my ma took the bowl of stew out of his hand, fucked it onto the counter, grabbed me by the hair, put me down into the corner and danced on me. Kept opening the front door and opening it at me. And I says, fuck you, fuck your stew, fuck the gaff, fuck everyone, I'm out of here. 16 years of age, where was I going? Nothing. So, goes over. Called Shay Kelly out of the pub. I says, You have to buy me a few drinks. And I was sobbing. And he says, What's wrong with you? I says, Just just get me something. I don't care what it is. Just get me something. So he says, Right. So he bought me a flagon. And then I went down to the flat, met me mate, and she was having a smoke. I said, Please. And she says, I don't really. I says, Please, I need it. So she says, All right. Then. And as I said, I hated the fucking smell of it. Mm. So I smoked it. It didn't do anything for me. Because my head was so fucked up. So, my family, my ma's side and my dad's side could see the problems. 
I didn't see a problem. And I didn't know how to address the problem. So they sent me to psychiatrists, right? And when I was in psychiatrists, every three, every eight to 12 weeks, you got a different psychiatrist. And I used to do my fucking head in. Because you're only getting to tell them this story. Yeah, you're only getting comfortable with them. Then right? you're going, and I was like, I can't be dealing with this shit. Just give me my prescription. I don't have many antidepressants I was on from the age of 15. And I'm still on them to this day. And I'm 47 years of age, 48. I'm still on antidepressants and sleepers and Valium. No, I don't take them all the time. Mm. So, and anyway, the, the mental health, that has to be addressed. You can't keep fucking changing people every when they get comfortable with you every six to 12 weeks. That doesn't happen. So... I had one friend gone down the, the, the drain on the drink, on the gear. It was me. I was lost. I was afraid. I was, fear was the worst. I feared when I'd have no money. I feared if I had to go to bed at night, was my man and dad going to come in and kill each other? Was, I didn't know. I The fear was fucking horrible. But when I was drunk or stoned, I didn't have that fear. So... In any way, to cut a long story short, I'll move on because I'm rambling. Yeah. I found out I had a cross addiction disorder. So that meant that whether I smoked the heroin, whether I took methadone, whether I drank, no matter what I put into my body, I couldn't get addicted to that because my body was, it, it was just cross addicted to anything. So um, I sat vomiting and all, and uh, something not right. So, and anyway, I'd done a pregnancy test and said, pregnant, fuck this. I'm completely even pregnant. I don't even remember sleeping that cunt. No, I wasn't. I never slept around. But I was like, I don't remember being with him, like, that way. So, and anyway, a few weeks later, um, I had a bit of a blade and I went down to Rotunda and they scanned me. And this is uh, twins. <laughs> and I fell off the bed. And my best friend at the time, Caroline Kenny, was sitting outside. She was pregnant on Robert. The nurse said, do you know her? And she says, yeah. She says, Rachel, what's wrong with you? And I says, it should be you having fucking twins, not me. I said, there's twins in your family. Like, this was how childish, stupid, but it was funny. So, and anyway, the nurse brought her in and gave her a checkup. And then she walked up the flat and she thought it was hilarious. And Betty looks over the balcony and she says, what's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, she says, Betty's twins. So Betty runs up into my man and dad's room and says, she's having fucking twins. And did they all know you were pregnant before? The, the, after my man gave me the hiding, the, it starts, the, they start putting one and one together. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know. Yeah. Because I had no feelings. I didn't yeah. connect aunt with aunt. But <laughs> I remember having the twins and anyway, and... It was the most, no, yeah, it was after having the twins and it was the most precious time in my life because... Jesus, thanks, man. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> you weren't even invented. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that I parked yet, but fuck <laughs> shake. I thought she meant still the most precious time. I was like, ah, oh, nice one, man. But come no, on. and Look my man and dad came up, right? <laughs> Fuck, you're about two years ahead in the story. You're going to ruin it for everyone else. Spoiler alert, Terence comes along next. <laughs> He's a cunt, Fred. You know what I mean? So if it's not about him, it'll be me, there's someone. No. Yeah. Sorry, Rachel. So, my man and dad came up. Ye
and a pair of jits. <laughs> and my ma and I was like, oh my God, it took me to have a set of twins for my man dad to come up to a hospital. Hospital. Actually hold my babies that I gave beta, cuddled them, loved them. What I used to say, me ma with my brother and sister, I say them over again. Yeah. And uh, in any way, my ma says, you, you're better off moving in with me. And I says, I am in my bollocks. I never got a fucking start and I'm not going to bring these kids. I know in my heart without a doubt she loved them. But I mentally was not bringing them into that home. That home was just never a home. Yeah. So I squatted in the flats. Right? So I squatted into the old folks. And uh, I done it up nice. And Jay's ma got me all corns and a little sofa and all. I was deadly. I was. I loved it. So then he started going out drinking and then coming back and taking epileptic fits. And I swear to fuck with these fits after coming out. I don't remember him ever taking fits. So he still had his flat in Harbick Street. So I was just, you're better on, touch on, can't deal with this. So Caroline and Paula O'Brien used to mind Jared and Gavin and my ma used to say, let her go, let her go. So I used to go dancing and whatever every second weekend. Got the taste of the drink. Then I was like, the the proudness that I owned the two kids, something that no one was going to touch, only me. They're mine. No one could take away, yeah. They're mine, no matter what. They're mine. So I'd done everything in my power for the, and then I got a two bedroom flat in the flats. And Jay gave up his flat, well, he got me parted, so the flat was took off him, so he moved in with me. So, of course, Chesney comes along. Right. Red bolts. This fella beside me, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh no, <laughs> my ma diet. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> That's a, a, a huge twist there. He co- oh, no, actually, my ma died. I do Jesus forget. Jesus Christ. No, my ma died. And, uh, Before I, I came along. Yeah. What was and, that like then, Rachel? Did you, did you reconcile with your ma? Yeah. This was only... And do you know when I did... The day she died. And you know how? My godmother was sitting on did, one side. Sorry about interrupting you, but how did your mother die? Cancer. So you it was it wasn't uh, it wasn't sudden? No, six months. Yeah, so you you kinda knew like But we uh, never talked about that in years ago. Right? Yeah, yeah, I know, but like it do you know, like it's not since you dropped to have a heart attack. No, oh, no, yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, we so had much. a lot to talk about, but we never went there. But yeah. she done everything for the twins and yeah. if I needed money if I wanted to go out anyway my ma you do that for her. yeah you know she knew she was on borrowed time like yeah so I remember and it was a Friday <laughs> and I went into the house and the bedroom was downstairs and I'll never forget it and my ma looked straight at me and then like that and then that way and then she smiled looked back at me and smiled and I went out onto the balcony and my dad was coming up and he says now you have to stay with your ma again tonight and I was like you have your bollocks. I says, I have twins at home. Like, I says, I'm here with my ma every night till two in the morning and you come in. I says, I can't do this anymore. But next of all, everyone was running up and hugging me and I was like, the fuck are they all up to? Mm. So, uh, father, whatever his name was, he says, Rachel, come on in. He says, what? Go in for what? I says, I wanted to be in there. My ma was at the dying. When she looked at me, she she was saying our goodbyes. I basically say... Um, 
after the funeral, my ma was at the saying to our neighbour and the godmother that day before she fell into a coma, asleep or whatever you call them. Do you know, if I'd have put all my energy into my kids than I did to my husband, they'd have been much better place now. So and anyway, I went back over to the flat and my dad came over and, oh, it was horrible, it was. <clears throat> and Jay said, you go on over the pub and have a few drinks with your family. I went over the pub. My mind wasn't in the right place. I was snapping at everyone. I didn't care who looked at me. I said that. Probably wouldn't even talk to me. And I was like, what are you saying? So and anyway, it's quite long story short that I was pregnant on Terence a year and a half later. <coughs> now are you happy? Here I am. Thanks and tonight I went into labour. My dad decides to fuck off to England. And I'm like... He I'm, knew what was coming. <laughs> he was on the ball. I'm in the height of labour and you're telling me you're going to bleed in England. I says, you can't do this to me. I said, I already lost my man. I said, I've fucking known. Now, the drinking was back, but it wasn't as heavy. But yeah. I was there. But I thought it was social drinking because I was in my home. I wasn't going out at this stage. So and anyway, I had him and he was £10 born. Big all head and shoulders. Fridge of a thing, still the same to this day. Big you know. And uh, I went home. Fast forward. I don't know what happened. I fell into addiction. It, the, the, the drink was just... <coughs> I needed it yeah. at this stage. I needed it to cope. I their dad used to go over the pub at ten o'clock in the night. Now we always had the bills paid. There was never yeah. neglect or like a functioning alcoholic. It's called yeah. right where I'd sit in the house and have them in bed at seven, so I don't me can. So I'm sitting there like, oh, this is fucking doing nothing for me now. Do you know what I mean? Then he'd come in, and then I got to the stage like he'd. It wasn't that he placed orders, but I felt as if he was putting a mark or a stamp on me. And I yeah. was like, hang on a fucking minute, you. You wouldn't be acting without me. This is not happening. I'm not, no one's going to give me orders. Been taking orders all my life. So I started bringing my mates up and the drinking, the drugs, everything was going on seven nights a week. They were down the flats playing. They were still fed, looked after by that arm, whatever. He'd go over the pub at 10 o'clock, come home at 1. Now, he was a gentleman, do you know what I mean? But the age gap was starting to show up and where he was getting older and wanted a, a, a family, like... Settled down settled. from it, yeah. I was only, like... Let, party, yes. Yeah. So I was like, oh fuck off like this isn't happening so um, the drugs took over then and me and Dada broke up and I got a rented place up in the Phoenix Park and I took the three kids and I smoked hash to beat the band and I was drinking I was oh I was an animal to me kids, to the trader. Um, the kids' dad died and I moved back into the home where he died. It was a Friday night and he got the kids every second weekend. Yeah. And uh, I brought them down and like, as I said, I always had to know where my kids were. I don't know what it was. So 
I was in my friend's and Scully's and Jay lived on the other end of the balcony. So we were all partying. It was day before Christmas Eve or something, wasn't it? 22nd, yeah. And uh, a couple of friends of mine said, we're all going up to Jock's. I said, come on with us. And I was like, ah, oh, no. So Terence comes down and he's like, I'm not fucking staying with him tonight and this, that and the other. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm going with my friends and all, like, you're staying with your dad. And he's like, I don't want it. Now, the idolised him. I don't want it. I don't want it. I said, but you, you have to. So, and anyway, oh, I was mad. His dad came down and he came in and he said, has anyone got a smoke? And I said, this is fucking mad. Because he's always particular. He always had his smokes. He wouldn't go without. So, next of all, I... Uh, and had you got a good relationship? Like, could you be civil with him? Yeah. Yeah. No, he had an affair. Yeah, he had an affair. Yeah, as well. So and anyway, yeah, I took the cigarette out of the box, but I thought he was going to give me a box. But he reached over and put his fist to the wall and gave me a kiss on the cheek. And uh, I was like, "Ah, yeah, the fuck is going on here?" Yeah, who's he flirting with? (laughs) (laughs) Who's he flirting with after all this? So and anyway, yeah, he was Terence was running the muck. So I brought him back down and I says, "Look." I says, I'll bring him home with me. He says, no, he said, go out. He said, he'd be all right. I says, no, I'll bring him home. So and we went really home. this is really unusual. Like, he's, yeah, he's there every... Yeah, the three of them said, from every weekend, no matter what. Yeah. So uh, I said, I'm down, I'm going mad for a hurry. Because I didn't go to the pub, I had the money. Yeah. So we went into the chest, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you remember this? Like, I remember the whole night. How old were Seven, eight. Yeah. I remember No, that. six or seven. So, <laughs> well, it was a tree. Seven, yeah. So we got the curry, but I was that uh from everything right in my body that I left mine there, but I fell asleep in my bed with my clothes on. And he got him he always slept in beside me and anyway. So he was in the, in the inside. Next of all I heard the phone ringing and I said, What's he ringing me for? Bleed ten to four in the morning, mad cunt. And it was Jay. So it was to get no, it was one of the twins, wasn't it? It was Jerry or Gavin, I think it was and Gavin. And he says, Dad's had to get into the bunk beds and he's kicking us. So I says, he's had to take a fit. Get up onto the top bunk. I said, we, it was Jerry, get up onto the top bunk with Gavin. So I says, if you don't feel that, if you feel nervous, like ring me back and I'll come in. He says, right, man. His dad rang me back two minutes after and he says, no, I'm all right. He says, I'm going into bed. And I says, he didn't take a fit. Because when he took a fit, he, he'd, he'd blank out. And I said, he didn't take a fit. So, and anyway, the next morning at 10 to 6, my phone was ringing again, and it was the twins, and I says, all groggy, and I says, what's wrong with you now? And he says, we're out to locking yourself out, and their school bags is inside, and we have to go to school for a school play. So I says, uh, right, I says, I'm on my way in. So I realised I had no credit. So um, we booted it down Manor Street, me and Terrence, and we went into the shop in there, and we got credit. And I rang my sister, and I says, Jared and Gavin is locked out on the balcony. I said, they can't get into the house. I said, and the school bags and stuff. So he must have took a fucking fit. I said, and he's out cold. So she says, right, I'll run up. So she went up and Lord has tried and Dylan next door and Alan. So they all were booting the door and all like saying, that's very bleeding strange. But they got in. So <laughs> I don't know, I was mad. Like I says, he's dead, isn't he? Like I'm riding up to the balcony and the heads are just going, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is not real. This is not real. So and anyway, my sister lived in the flat underneath and um, she brought us in. 
the police came, they had to question yeah. where I was, what I was doing, showing them phone, the phone calls, blah, blah, blah. That all got sorted. And then the drink came again, worst and worst and worst. And I was baiting the brain with everything. Like, what ifs? Why? Over Jerry Dunn? Yeah. Why did he have to go and leave me with three kids? What am I going to do? How am I going to look after them? Now, uh, this stage, my family, as much as they love me, they were trying their best to stay, make me fend for myself. Yeah, a tough love kind of thing. Because I was, uh, where I didn't see the, the addiction. Yeah. They seen it. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't admit to Anton. So that's when my friends would knock up and they'd have gear or coke or egg and I'd have the drink and the smokes and the gaff. So then it'd be, oh, this cuts my heart in two. Then it was like Jay and Paul Gavin and Terry to come in and I, if I was doing something, having a smoke or, or coke or whatever. It happened a few times. It shouldn't have happened. And I'd always hold my hand up. I panicked. Because I didn't want them to see me. All right, they see me drunk and stoned, but I didn't want them to see me doing this. And I smacked them with a snooker cue across the back. Don't ever fucking run into this gaff like that again. Get up to fucking bed. But oh, I don't know how to explain it. It was fear because I didn't want them to see me doing it, if it makes sense. But I didn't want to lose my friends that I was doing with neither. Yeah. So what I'd done was... I neglected my three kids and I fucked them to one side to keep me friends because they were the same age as me. They were all on the same bus as me. They knew, oh, talk. Right, we're all right. I'm never going to be on my own. Yeah. My kids come up and leave me in the morning. I still have so my friends. Mates, yeah, still have the session there, yeah. Right. So I didn't realise I was so bad and Jared and government to live with Betty. And then, of course, Terence was stuck with me and he was a fucker. The police would be coming up, <clears throat> knocking on me door. Rachel had to catch them lighting fires. Rachel had to catch them smoking. Rachel, he's had to throw his bricks through a car window. And then one day I just said, you know what? Fuck off away from the door. What do you want me to do with him? Like, I said, I'm bringing the three kids for counselling. Every Tuesday, without fail, I said, to the matter hospital. I said, to get them help, I said, and you are coming up and roaring in my face for what he's doing. I, I don't know how to help him. This is help your fucking self. Fuck off. You have to fucking tell me to help myself. You shouldn't help me when I was a kid. You was fuck. This is where my mind was at. Yeah. So um, people would be coming up and if Terence came in, they'd say, oh yeah, save it if I ever save it. And he left my gaff many a nights with bleeding loads of money. So, and anyway, I fucked my kids aside for my addiction and for my friends and because I felt safer with them. It's mad. I thought they'd never leave me. But I knew my kids could leave me any stage to go to my family because they deserve to go to my family. They deserve to be loved and be given the love that I couldn't give them. At this stage, I couldn't. I didn't know how to. My heart used to be ripped. It's hard to explain it. I'd be going to bed at night. I'd wake up in a sweat. And my heart, I'd be racing. I'd be like, oh God, what am I doing with my life? 
It's Jay and Gavin Alvey. No, they're Alvey, but you know, he has them. Simon's Alvey. No, he's Alvey. He's in the room with his mates, like, till or whatever, who's that staying over. So I'd be like, no, they're Alvey. Rachel, what are you, Alvey? It's mental, the things. So I'd say, no, I'm not doing this anymore. The next morning, boom, reality, fear. You do it all over again. And it was just a fucking vicious cycle over and over and over. And my cousin said to me one day, if you don't give your kids the love you want to give them, you're never going to get it back. And I says, I don't know how to. Said, what do you mean you don't know how to? I said, how do I love? How do I love my kids when I know I love them deep inside and I know I want to show them, but I can't because I, I was how. afraid yeah. and I didn't know how. So, in any way, that's the way my life went then. Do you feel like that kind of stemmed from your ma not being able to show it? Like, you not having that connection with your ma, do you feel like you weren't able then to connect with your kids that way? Yeah. And no. I just think she had a, a bad addiction, and Like, I a lot of drug addicts or a lot of alcoholics and stuff like that will put anything to the show for drugs or for to feed their addiction. Like, because like, I remember I got you all bad that, like, my man never walked without a buggy, even when we were older. Like, my man couldn't walk just on her own. My man always had a buggy, an empty buggy with her. And she used to walk us to school, and it was that bad. Like, she wake up first thing in the morning and open a can out of the fridge and put the can on the top of the pram and walk us to school. Like, and she just had to drink and had to do that. But just, that's just addiction. Yeah, but what I was saying is, you, like, she, she was an addiction to cope with the trauma. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But you weren't talking about, you know in your head, you know you love your kids. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't know how to but show them. Yeah, and you think that's because your man never showed it to you that you were like, I don't know what to do. Like, there's my son sitting there. Like, I don't, I, I love him, but I don't know how to show him. Yeah, and it, it, it's weird. It's so fucked up how one thing in your life as a child can ruin your life as you get older but that's what we older. we're starting to learn more and more nowadays that like childhood trauma is yeah. is like the, the most effective cause of thing. addiction kind of thing the leading cause of addiction or suicide or anything like that like childhood trauma is the 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 worst thing that can I don't know how I'm not wording it correct but childhood no you're trauma, on the right path yeah. Well, yeah it got that bad I was throwing myself under buses I was cutting myself up I was overdosing I was locked up in Unit 9. I was locked up in Aloysius. And same thing, day in, day out. Oh, sure, here's tablets. I have a fucking addiction with drinking tablets. You're giving me more. I want I want just to tell me that all inside is not all in my head. Yeah. This all happened like someone fucking saved me. Yeah. So in any way... You're crying out for help. Yeah. So in any way, uh, where did I go from there? Oh, I'll, I'll never forgive myself, but in one way I was blessed. There was two young girls walking for the Dublin City Council and they used to have the office in the flats. And I walked through one day with a bag of drink and my smokes and I said, you know what? Fuck this. I tried suicide. I lost my fucking kids. What more can I fucking do that can't... Can, like, what can be the worst? So I held the corporation hostage, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so, and anyway, they had to ring the big DCC and the little officers and the police were everywhere surrounding it and that copper Frank Hare, I have to say, was an eight angel. He was a community guy. Come on, Rachel. And I says, no. I said, I'm sick of it. 
Like, I'm trying to kill myself. I says, and it won't fucking happen. I says, I need out of here. I need out of these flats. I need you to help me. So they brought me into a meeting that same day. And they said to me, we fucking told you. If a place came up because of your medical priority, which I'll tell you is now, we will house you. Rachel, you're very, very sick and you're not going to go for, to be housed. You're going into a fucking grave. This is all right. Same week I got a phone call from James to say that not only had I hepatitis C, but I had the BRAC2 cancer gene. And the best option would be have a double mastectomy. That I live longer. So, of course, I went and got it done. Sure, of course, what happened to me? I went on the coke and I got a, a disease called semilitis. And I ran, ran, ran through my body. So I was killing myself. I was nearly dead. And like that, the matter hospital saved my life. And I got out and I was like, I swear this time I'm doing it. I'm giving it up. I'm giving it up. I have to. My own kids wouldn't even say hello to me in the flat, and I didn't blame them. No haircuts, runners hanging off their feet, the clothes hanging off their feet. None of that mattered. I just wanted to open myself up and put them in there and say, you are mine, you are protected. But I didn't know how. Mm. So I got a phone call, and anyway, and the corporation says, we have a house for you, Rachel. Please don't let us down. Do what you need to do now to get better. And that was Marion Farden. And I said, Marion, how? She says, Rachel, do, you'll know. She says, it'll come to you. So, and anyway, yeah, uh, I got the house. Now, I was at the meeting, Edward in between, right? So, Edward is your current this, partner? Yeah, husband. The Chuck Liddell fella. The Chuck fella. Sorry, right, just before you get into that, what was it like for you, Terence? Like, would you see a man in the flats and kind of, like, walk through that way? Yeah, yeah, I still lived with me, man. I was the twins moved over with Betty, who was like Anne, any we call her, like Anne, any Betty or Auntie Betty or whatever. She was my ma's, ma's sister, a great auntie. But uh, I still lived with me, man, but I hated her, like, for the best part of my younger years. Like, I didn't know, man, like, like I didn't have to I, talk to I, I deserve to be hated. I didn't have to talk to me, man, and like that. Like, I never, ever, ever in my life had a conversation with me, man, until I became an adult. And I think the, the only reason why I ever forgave me, man, was the way I see her now with the kids now. When she had the kids now, and the way she turned her life around and stuff like that. That's what made me sort of go, like, she is bleeding human, like, she is a good person. She just had problems. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's what way I say. And that's what, like, I would, I don't think I would ever forgive her if she didn't have kids. Even though she, because she turned her life around with children, didn't Yeah. And got clean of everything and stuff like that. But I still wouldn't have forgave her yeah. for the way we were treated. So just from doing this podcast, Rachel, so obviously I, I know you since we started doing the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So when I first met you, I didn't know that you had the, uh, I didn't know, well, I kind of knew, sorry, that Terence had younger uh, brothers and sisters and... I didn't know what it was like in your house, and I went up, and it's bleeding. It's it. It was like my house. I have two brothers who are close together. Uh, one's eleven, one's thirteen. Yeah. So my house is, and then I have a twenty-year-old or twenty-one-year-old brother. So like my house is constantly noisy, ground yeah. like that, and it's exact same. Your house now is my house, say five years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, even, yeah. Well, some people still say now, but like, do you know, there's toys, kids yeah. running amok, and yeah. like sit down and be quiet. It's exactly the same. Yeah. It's a normal house. Yeah, definitely. So, when I look at you, Rachel, yeah, and with all due respect, I kind of see your life in two parts. And it was like when Terence, Jern, and Gav are kids, 
Versus when you have three kids now. Yeah, it's madness. You kind of, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's madness. I never thought, and I'm going to be truthful, I thought, I'd, I thought, I'd have been dead now. Yeah. I wanted to die. Well, the path you were on, you're probably gone yeah. back. Well, she would, have, she would have been long dead by now. Look, there's no two ways about it. Look, like, I secretly pumped stuff into me. I f- fucked myself on the buses. Like, my family couldn't sleep at night. They were crying solid tears over me. Like, how selfish was that? But at the same time, I was like, fuck yes. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was like, open up my fucking whole body and see what I'm trying to tell you. Reach yeah. out to me. But no matter how many times they reached out, I pushed them away. That's what addiction does, though. That's I pushed what, them away. That's the, and then my cousin Marie said to me one day, I'm telling you now, she says, you love your kids. I says, I do. She says, help yourself. This is how. She says, Rachel, you can do it. She mm. says, you've t- so much love inside you and you can give that back to them kids. Help your fucking self. So anyway, I got the house. I was living up there two years. Is this the house you're in now? Yeah. yeah. And Edward came in all busted up off a mad session he was on. And I always had my bag of cans down at the side of the chair. And I says, the way you came in that door, get back out that fucking door. And I says, what are you talking about? Sure, you have a bag of cans now. He wasn't on me floor, Aunt. Get the fuck out of my gaff. And off he went. I went into the kitchen and I poured a can down the sink. And then I got on. My sister was at the lane. We had to fucking play poker on the laptop. So I was betting to the poker and not gambling. It was only on, on Facebook Fake poker. Fake Yeah. So I didn't realise the time was gone. So I was going in and then I said, do you know what? I'm going to take a sleep and see can I do it. So I took a sleep and I went to bed and I actually slept and felt good mentally and physically for them few hours. Just them few hours. So the next morning I says, can I do this again? Can I? And that's the way I done it. Edward came up and he had a full bottle of methadone and he, he says, Rachel, he says, I'm finished. I says, yeah, right. He says, I'm finished. And I mean, he poured the whole bottle down the sink. And I says, oh my fucking Jesus, like, the doctor's not going to give him any more methadone, five, whatever you just want to call it. I says, I'm not fucking minding him going through cold hook and can yeah, mind myself. Withdrawals, yeah. So I says, he's serious. So, and anyway, yeah, I didn't know how to help him. And he, I, look, I just kept pouring the, the cans out. So you were just taking it day by day? Yeah. Like, he just went in and poured his whole methadone down the sink. Yeah. Were so, you just, you were just drinking at this stage? Yeah. No, but don't get me wrong now, I'm 48 years of age and I'm on three sets of tablets. Yeah. Right, prescribed. But I've only taken my antidepressants. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, I, I hate being on them because it's a blocker. Yeah. But at the same time, I need them. Yeah. Because... From psychiatrists, they, f- they put you on so many medication through the years and all different ones and what runs with you, what doesn't run with you, doesn't do you good in the long run, right? So you think the best way of dealing will be like a natural way, like counselling or... Chrysalis so- saved my life up in ministry. That's a treatment. Yeah. I could talk to Mary Mulligan was a counsellor. <laughs> so I said, uh, right, I said, I'm not going three days. Fuck me, this feels good. Yeah. Three days with her not drinking was... This feels good. For my whole childhood, my childhood memories of my man is where I can, in a hand, a can of Dutch gold or a flag in the Linden village. That's 
more your whole child. I've never in all my childhood years seen my man without a drink. Morning, noon, and night she need a drink. So to go three days without drink is like, whoa. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But then I was sitting there and I was like, flashbacks, like looking at the poetry kids down there and the, all the other kids and the snow white tops and lovely clothes and whatever and my three kids are dumped down there, their hair down their neck, the bleeding spuds growing out of their ears, you know what I mean? But uh, I says, right Rachel, if you keep thinking like this, you're not going to get better, you're not going to get better, you have to think yourself first and then work on them. So I done that. I put myself first and that was my step in recovery. Terence knows at this stage Edward was at the taking up cook and even though he always cooked, he was at the taking up cook and so he always cooked it and the house was always clean. He has OCD, but he has OCD and clutter. My God, you <laughs> a piece of dust in the gaff and he flying around, he over his everything. The gaff is spot. The kids are barely allowed to play with the toys. They start whipping the toys out and he's like, oh, too much stuff for him. <laughs> I do watch him, you see him getting agitated. No one does too many toys out. Like, are you sure you need to play with that one? You, you can put that one. <laughs> it's See that what you were saying about the dinner? I actually heard that before. Somebody was saying about uh, it was somebody who had an addiction. And one of their kids said, you know, when they were making their dinner, that's when the house was great. Yeah. Even though they still had an addiction. But when there was a dinner on the table, yeah, it was yeah. like that bit of stability in the in the household. You know what I mean? Mm. I used to go to bed in my weeks getting off stuff. So I'd go up to bed about eight o'clock. Never had the telly in the room at this stage, but I'd put the radio on. Never had on. a fucking telly growing up, but I forgot um, about that I bit. Know. You, you didn't mention that, did you? See, see, we used to be down the flat years ago, all the boys. I'd say down. the pipe is gone. The all, pipe is gone. All the boys down the flat, you say, oh, Keenan and Kel and fucking Drake and Josh, and we used to have to pretend that we were watching it. <laughs> Do you remember this bit? Oh, yeah, oh, what did he say again? Now, giving her all that. We didn't have a telly. We don't have a telly. No, we had a telly then and we had no pipe, and it, he was saying, no, it was just the standing against torn down. She used to say, I oh, know you just have to wait, just the papers going sitting there looking at static for years before. <laughs> yeah, you forgot that bit, did you? You can't. But go on. But say it was little watching Kane and the Kellen all years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but as I said, Terrence, I apologise, and it's only so much apology you can do. Oh, and no. if I could wrap it all up and start again. Well, you did. Right. Just not with us. Oh, don't yeah. say that. Well, but, but she did. She did. No, I don't mean that in a bad joke. No, she means if she could wrap her up, like because she did do that, and that's that's the main thing why all of us sort of see the person that she is, because she is a good person, and the way she is with the kids now was madness, like. But getting into the kids and all, like, so me, what were you saying? You were going to bed with the radio. She's on. She's on there. I had the radio. I had the radio on, yeah. and uh, by the hour, it's say eight o'clock. It's nine o'clock. Mm. It's ten o'clock. Boom! I'll be gone. Fast asleep. Next morning, I'd be screaming at him, Get up! You have to go down to Henrietta Street, you have to go to school, I'm not having Jackie coming up. And he'd go. And then I was like, Oh my God, this this is walking. Do you know what I mean? And then he rings me one night, I was after letting him go to some club or whatever he was gone, and I, he says, Ma, some man has his hostage. Well, I tell you. I nearly went through my sitting room window. I'm screaming on the phone. Who has your hostage? Where are your hostage? Help! When? So I don't know what happened. What I, happened? He's trying to fucking can I sign. Poor bleeding. 
I was stupid. Just sure. say it, will you? You, you, you look like yeah, wrong, like. no, just no, because I don't want to look like a wanker either. But like, obviously, you had ADHD and all. You're wearing a wanker. <laughs> well, you well say it. But I, I threw a kind of coat through a shop window, and right? Got nicked, but we were getting chased and all, and then we end up getting nicked. I got a few of the lads, a quiet lads and stuff like that, and. They wouldn't be in the game. But I, lo- I loved getting chased by the police. That was something I did Little as a kid. Trail, yeah. yeah, I loved it. Shit, a guard car going past the flats would run over spit in the window and run. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Not in the window, just on the window. Just I wouldn't even try it just to get the chase. I used to love it. Yeah. So when I did this, I ran, but they didn't run around. So they got caught. And then I got caught. And then we got brought back to the gaff and they were all like... No, they brought, they, no, they brought all the other children, no, the, children to their homes and came with Terence last to my door. And I says, how dare you drive her past my home to another two or three homes to drop them kids off and then come back to fucking mine and give me fucking Because they knew it was abuse. Me, Yeah. Like, they, they only had to look at me and know, like, you know what I mean? In the back of the police car, giving them stick and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? They're like, it was that little bastard. The other lads are crying and quiet and all, you know what yeah. I mean? So it was, it was obvious, you know? But, uh, so yeah. I'm like, come on, shift on. Don't be fucking talking to him like that at the end of the day. So I'm sure they were saying, that's a mental fuck. She's mm. a whore, son. She can give a bollocks but about he used fucking... To, he used to be like that years ago. He used to lo- as I said, he used to love the trill of getting chased by the police, but oh. some of them are fast and he used to get caught. <laughs> some of them. <laughs> so when they catch me, they grab me and drag me up to the gaff. Me and my tell them, fuck, I went to the store, leave me alone. He has your ADHD, this, that, but she wants the door closed. And she banged me up and down the gaff, banged me with the ship. Do you know what I mean? But the, she was the type that wouldn't let the MC. Yeah. Fuck off, you only a child to send you up, but she wants the front door closes. Oh, rash on the air. You know what I mean? Crying for the police to come back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so then I, I had that be then. So you were saying stability then, you were like, this is life. Yeah. You were not drinking, you were getting turned, I know he's acting the bollocks, but you were getting into school and... Yeah, and Jerry Eddie's cooking, <laughs> Eddie's cooking up storms and I'm going to school, life is good. Eddie Ramsey in the gaff. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, Abby comes along. And her being the only girl, and then she went to my arms. She she actually, like, a cut that to my arms. And I flew to Temple Street, right? and they whipped her in. And I was like, oh, my God, after 16 and a half years, I have my only girl, and now she's in fucking Temple Street. Where, or what did I do wrong, right? But anyway, she was put on a monitor. Uh, it's It's... Beep, the alarm is off if uh, she, she went into a deep sleep or yeah, whatever, yeah. right? So that was grand. Then I found out I was pregnant again. And then I found out it was twins. Now, <laughs> who of all... Like, the odds on having twins is high enough, but having two, two sets of twins... Like, hell, the fuck? And I went to hospital Christmas Eve and I begged the doctor, I'm in fucking labour, please take them. And him and his quack in his suit, he said, you're not in labour. Another five weeks ago, come on home. I could barely get my fucking foot up onto the step of the bus. I was in bits. That, that night I got a kebab and sitting there next to us. Now, I don't mean to be dirty, but I never knew what your waters was like to break because they used to break them. Next to us, oh, not to piss in the bed. <laughs> and I jumped up and I'm screaming, Terence, Terence, quick. He's a, what are you fucking round all over the house for Christmas Eve, yeah. 11 o'clock. I said, I'm not the piss on the bed and I was in fits and that and then when I was walking, I said, oh, you better ring an ambulance. I think I'm having the kids. 
Não é verdade, não é verdade. Não é verdade. And it was a school day, and my ma was screaming, and my dad had gone to walk, and I remember jumping up, and she was standing over the bed and said, I'm up, and there was a big puddle on the floor, I said, what's going on? She goes, my water's at the breaking, and the first thing I said, we're not going to school. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, oh boy, she bent me to school, I remember, I remember being in school, and it was a Wednesday, because she was like, you have a half day, I was like, we're not going to school, I remember being in school, and like the teachers, my man's at home, I'm the baby, you have to go and all. And she's like, no, no, it'll be grand and all, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I think she was in labour for a day or, or something like that anyways. But yeah. like, mom's, long story short, my mom's killed, I had no little brother. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. But I was, I was chancing me on, yeah. You wanted the day off. Well, I, uh, Christmas Day, I, I had uh, the twins, but Edward had to be resuscitated seven times. And he was up in intensive care. But all good now, he's healthy. Eight-year-old, he has non-verbal autism. He has learning disability, and no, no disrespect. He's still a little bollocks. Yeah, yeah, he's a legend. Yeah. He is. But um, them three have shown me life. Yeah, and given me life, and what I put into them, I'm like, I hope Jared, Gavin, and Terence know that I would have been even better again with them because I'd have been younger. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. when you go into your house, you you can tell you do it because every man is like that. Mm. You're constantly worn out. I'm worn out. I'm worn yeah, out. Yeah, you know, like yeah, that. Yeah. All the old ones say, oh, I'm worn out. I'm worn. The kids have me worn out. And it's it, when I went to your house, I swear it's exactly like being a It's just constantly kids yeah. acting the bollocks. And then Hanging you're like, will you sit rants. down? Sit down. And Eddie and uh, what? Coy are yeah. killing each other, yeah. and then Abby's jumping in, and yeah. I was like, "This is this is exactly what it's like." You know what I mean? Oh, one of yeah. them is playing with a toy, and some, the other one will jump in and take her off them. Yeah, you know what I mean? There's the more than the hills constantly. <laughs> but like, I, I, but people are probably taking this literally. Like more than it's just it's a very shout, yeah. like, a laugh and a joke. You know what I mean? It just be yeah. the same way. Got me two little brothers still kill each other. <laughs> They're playing football out the back yesterday, killing each other. Like, you know what I mean? Digs getting thrown and all, and that's what you see when I'm in your house. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But, but it's great to see. Yeah, definitely, yeah. It's all just fun. It's and then, like, you, Gavin, Jared would be up there, and then you'd be egging them all on. Yeah, we'd be stepping them out. Listen, he'll win the strain. He'd million. Now, he'd million. Yeah, do, do the, <laughs> yeah, shows how you do your press-ups and all. Yeah, yeah, doing the hip knocker, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, so, I know back then, if I hadn't had them problems, that I could have been a better man, because yeah. I was younger. Like, my mad sent me into town, and she'd say... You better be back here within 20 minutes with my mistress because the bombs will go off. Like, how fucked up was that? Like, and my nerves would be gone. If I went back with the wrong mistress, I'd be sorry. Mm-hmm. So, and anyway, I have the other three kids and I'm like, I need to show Jared, Gavin and Terence that I, I do love them. that And I always have loved them. But I was always a big F in the front of my face and that was the fear. The fear, what ifs, when, why. Do you know what I mean? So, Gavin was in hospital there, Christmas for you sick. Yeah. <clears throat> and anyway, we got him over it. And anyway, but he texted me three lovely texts that oh, breaks my heart 
Because me and Gavin haven't got a relationship the way me, Terence and Jay have. Gavin just will not forgive me. Do you know what I mean? I don't blame him. I don't believe that. I wouldn't say he doesn't forgive me. He does forgive me, he, but he doesn't. Again, it's you, child, you feel like he doesn't. It's childhood trauma. Yeah. yeah. I've passed on to my kids. Yeah. Which is... I, I, Terence, I don't, I don't mourn it properly. That's what I'm on Yeah, about. no, I know. But, no, but this is what... This, so, so he on texts, the way up... Rachel was yeah. saying, you know, don't be hit me with the big words, this, that, and the other. And Terence was worried about how this was going to come across. This is real. This is you telling us how you feel from yeah. your heart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't try and pour something in there just to make it sound a bit better. You couldn't get any better than this. Yeah. This is raw. Yeah. This is exactly what people want to hear. This is how you say it. So This is coming from yeah. your heart, Rachel. Well, he sent me the three texts and I, he said... I'm I'm only gonna read a little bit and I, it, it's always in my heart and he says, Ma I says, Gavin, I'm sorry I never was there for you, for any of us and I couldn't be the ma that you wanted me to be. But I it's not that I never loved you. I didn't know how to love you. And he says, Ma, what you've done for me in these three days has meant a lot through my whole life. He said, and that proved that you're my ma and whatever and whatever and I'm like Jesus Christ, I'm never deleting them messages. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then when Terence had his little slip and his meltdown and then he went chaotic on me, I was like, oh God, what have I done to my kids? Like, I fucked their heads up and it wasn't fair. But this is the cycle that we need to help. Help them now. Help them at school age. Learn them more about your well-being, your dress codes, sexual... Yeah. Do you know I, what I mean? Learn them all that. Don't feel ashamed or dirty. Yeah. And, you know, they actually... They are uh, teaching stuff like that in school. Yes. Yeah. And when I first heard about... Because my young one's in school. And when I first heard about her, I was like, what? And then I was like... But that was just on the surface of it. Do you know when someone says it to you, I think, I'm what? Like that? And then you're like, no, they're right. Yeah. And it, it's all about how they teach them. Like, if someone does this to you, it's bad and yeah. you should tell somebody and if someone does this to you it's mm. okay yeah. you know like that and I always say it to me daughter I always say like what do you do if someone said this to you she's like I'll tell uh, you or I'll tell your friend and I was like lovely yeah. you know what I mean that's what you need Yeah. and we need to be telling like how do you feel and we need to be showing kids stuff like me and home are not together but I would never ever ever say a bad word about it no. never you know mm. what I mean and other things, like you know, little little stuff like Definitely. teaching, like how are you feeling? Are you sad? Why are you sad? It's okay to be sad. Mm. Tell me, and we talk about it. Yeah, you definitely. know, like that. Definitely. And that's what you're saying. Like break the cycle. You know, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Abby, Kai, and Edwards would know what what it is for me to have alcohol. Yeah. That's what I always say as well. It's breaking nearly a generational course in my family of like to drink coming down through the years. Then it got passed on to my man. Then it got passed on to me basically for a few years. But then, like, that's something I always say to myself is break that cycle. Like, just I get a lot of this. uh, You're only 24, just have a drink. What? Like, uh, you're already stopping all your fun trip. But fun to me is not drinking. And I don't need drink to have fun and things like that. But it's. It's nearly a stigma or a thing where if you don't drink, you're not going to mm. have fun. Mate, I stopped drinking when I was 15. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And like, I was drinking, I think the first time I was proper drunk, I was 12. I remember yeah. being with my mates, being like, Johnny, I want you, you're dizzy. And I was like, is this what drunk is? Is this what it is? Like, yeah. This is why you, you keep drinking bottles. Yeah. That tastes like fucking piss. Yeah. And I was like, this is what it is. And then 
I went off, well, I wouldn't say off the rails, but like a load of bad experiences were, and I was like, you know, I'm not even enjoying this. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to do it anymore. And that's when I said at 15, I was like, so I, I basically, when people ask me, did you ever drink? I th- I do say I tried it. Yeah. But like I wouldn't say I was a drinker, you know. Like I know what it's like to be drunk, I know what it's like to be hungover. Yeah, not for me. I have an absolute ball without it. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? But does it like I think? And I don't even think it's just an Irish thing either. I think it's worldwide. Like in your twenties, you have to be part. You know, you're not living your twenties mm. where that's that's not that's not the way it well, is. I I consider myself a party. Yeah, fucking right, Jay. Like, you I don't fucking all, stop. I was out. Well, I can go to parties and yeah. I'd be frozen up on the floor now. I was out on my yeah. Saturday. And I don't drink. Yeah, but we were watching thing. the fights. I was yeah. out on my Saturday with my mates. The boys were all drinking. Yeah. And uh, we were watching the fights then. Now, don't get me wrong, the next day I was in a jocker because I didn't sleep. But like, yeah. I still had a great time with the boys. Yeah, that's why you put up a thing there a couple of weeks ago and I was like, sober hangovers are real. And yeah, I, I fully agree with you. But I've had the best years of my life I've had sober. These last while than ever, than I ever did drink. And I had some great nights drinking, some great sessions, all that. But the best years I've had in my life has been the last, like, although the last few months have been bad, I mean, in terms of partying and stuff like that, I'd much rather go to a party, enjoy myself, wake up the next day fresh. Like, they're, they're the best years of my life. This this whole thing of your 20s, you have to party. If you're not drinking, you're boring, or if you're whatever. And then, like, Again, like I was saying, it's a generational course that was passed down to me, that was passed down to me for a little mm. while, and then I am fresh, clean, and sober now. And now, like, there's, that's something that me and my brothers will never lack now, is, like, like we'll never be drinking around that kids. Well, listen, they will, and whatever, and there's no harm in it. Like, there's Yeah, abs- brothers are not big drinkers anyway. No, no, no. But, like, we won't have to see what we... They, our kids won't see what we see, and if yeah. I'm not drinking every single day and stuff like that, because then that nearly becomes normal. When you're a teenager, like, but she drinks every day and she's fresh, so why, why can't I? And that's where it starts, you know what I mean? So an occasional drink or a party or the weekends, or, but not seven days a week, yeah. and that's where and I think the trouble comes what in. What you're talking about, Rachel, is about being in touch with your well-being. If you're in touch with, like, if you have trauma and you're able to address that, it won't lead you to drinking. No. Anyways, mm. so you're yeah. putting that out there any, as Definitely. well before it even because gets to the problem. Because a lot of people drink their drugs to get away from that trauma and then to... Even if they're not just getting away man, blood and they're out, they're sitting at a table and the only time they're able to talk is when they're out of their head and then yeah. you get everything off their chest and then wake up the next day with the fear of God because they would have never did a sober. Yeah. And that's where I find the problem is that I think everybody should try their best. I guess some people have social anxiety and anxiety and I find And look, it is talk. hard. It is hard. It's tough to talk, but... Like, the more we normalise being able to sit down sober and have a chat with your friend and go to your friend with a problem and say, or go to your family and, and say, And forgive Listen. yourself yeah. to, to the older people out there, my age and all. Like, forgive yourself if you've done bad things. Like, I'll always, and hand on my heart, regret in not being used, am I? Mm. And not giving you what you needed and not doing the things that should have been done. Mm. But I can't change that. Yeah. And no matter how many times I go to sleep at night and it goes over in my head when I'm having a bad day, I could have done this. I could. Have, I can't mm. rewind the time. Yeah. But I want you, Gavin and Jay, to know that even though I can't rewind it from now, not just the podcast, like from months, years ago since the kids were born, that I'm not that person anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still have that mouth and I still have that, you tell me and I'll tell you. Mm. But... I'm there, I'm, I have you as a back 100% through everything. Mm. I know you are not afraid to come and say to me, I, I don't know when I'm back to me. Mm. I'm not going to run around and say, you're not fucking doing this, this, because mm. I've been there. Mm. But I will advise you. Mm. 
But all I'm saying is to you, Jay and Gavin, I'm sorry for everything. Yeah, well, there's no need to be. Do you forgive our parents? Yes. 100%. No, <laughs> a million percent. Yeah. 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 Uh, since you had the kids, I do, yeah? yeah? But before that, I didn't. But yeah. since you had the kids, she's the best man in the world to them kids. There's yeah. no two ways about it. Like, like the best man in the world. And that's that's the only reason why. Because without saying that, I would have never... You, you wouldn't. Know? She would have never been able to show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have never. I would have never spoke to her. Like I lived with. I always lived with my man. Never. Sp- like I would. Me and my man would go weeks without talking. Weeks, and the only time I talk is this. Like she'd ask me where you're going. And fuck off, you. I'm not going to gaff. I go into the gaff, sleep, leave the gaff, go out for the day, come back in, and just not. We in the same house, but didn't. Yeah. I didn't acknowledge her for years and years. Do you know what I mean? But. Yeah, I do now. I pass that now. Yeah, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> you should hope so as well. Yeah, fucking on the podcast. I was a few Bobby, I can't. Yeah, but like, she's a hey, me next. <laughs> yeah. so. No, but that's what it is. Like, it's just you can't change the past, but you can make it that little bit brighter. Yeah, no, you're dead right. It, it's such an on what we talked about last week. You know, you, you don't judge someone based off their actions. You judge them based off their reactions. Exactly. So you were able to identify, right, so what you've done wrong. You're still saying it now. You're holding your hands up. It's keeping yeah. you awake at night. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not proud of it. And you're addressing yeah. that and you're trying your best to give yeah. the next tree a better life than the first tree. Yeah. And you're still showing the first tree that you love them. Yeah. yeah. And as I said, like, I can't undo what's done. Yeah. But you can try but and make it what's going to come better. that no matter what goes on in life, I love them. I have that back in everything. There's, there's nothing that they can't come to me and say because I'd never reveal I, I, I'm one of them people you can come and talk to me. It's water off a duck's back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But mm. once they know, them three know that there was never any doubt that they wouldn't love. I didn't know how to love them. Yeah. And mm. I love you as never. I love his mark. <laughs> oh, only now, is it? Yeah, yeah I love his mark. See, this is what I'm on about. Like, I don't know how I'm to express it. Yeah. Up. It's yeah. an easy mistake, right? But look, listen, that's it. And thanks for having me on. No, Rachel, thanks for now. coming on. Because this is something that he said weeks ago. Yeah. And there's been a lot of messages to get you on as well. Uh, I just I have two things I want to say before I wrap up, right? One of yeah. them is, can you hear the fire smoke alarm going off in your house? No. But you do realise it is going off. I do now because everyone tells yeah, me. Right. Yeah, right. So you believe that Terence doesn't? Yeah, I, I came to terms with it recently, but yeah. Yeah. For months. Right. But so, you see now that you have your own place, when you come up and actually sit in the house, you're going to hear it. Days, you're going to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the early episodes and you'll hear the fire <laughs> going yeah. off, the little beep in the background. Remember the messages. When you have to change the battery. Someone messaged us before, Rachel, and says, uh, I'm glad you said, you said that the fire alarm was going off because I'm at the main, I had the podcast on and I was going around my house checking my fire alarms. <laughs> someone, someone opened up all the fire alarms. They didn't realise it was, it was going off in the back of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's when I started believing I thought you were winding me up for however long, yeah? yeah right, but this has caused more that. Remember, there was trouble over this shit. I remember being in the gaff and being like, <laughs> sorry for the point, that's it. I remember being in the gaff and being like, Terrence, went to get in 10 episodes, I can't believe we're at the end because you won't change the battery in your fire alarm. <laughs> Well, it's not run off a battery, it's run off the electricity. So how's it going off then? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Get on, get on yeah. to the cobble. Yeah. The second thing I want to say is, I should have said it a couple of weeks ago, congratulations to Connor and Adele, and his now fiancé Adele, he got engaged a get couple of weeks ago. up to oh, Connor, Ellen, knocking hips. So I told him I'd, I'd out him on the podcast, 
and uh, I just forgot to do it. This was a couple of weeks ago now. So, uh, yeah. yeah, well, there we it's go. Out there now. Congratulations. Well, there's been a lot of people wondering about who Connor is, and he's a resident culture. We love him. He eats tough for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> he got a huge response last week. Everybody loved him. Fella said about four words <laughs> in the podcast last week, and people are looking at him to do an episode on his own without me and Terence. He's the go. But um, listen, that's our wrap for this week's episode. Thanks very much for coming in, Matt. Um, Thanks very much for coming in, Rachel. No problem. And uh, that's a wrap. Connor, take us out. Boom. The hip knocker. Go down. Go down. Go down.